Okay, with Kevin Heslop, uh, short filmmaker, Things She Want, uh, winner of Best Sound and Music at the Experimental Film Festival. He's from London, Ontario. Uh, that's about two hours away from Toronto, uh, for people who don't know. I think this is the first time I've talked to someone from London, and I was looking at your website, and you have a pretty sizable body of work at the tender age of 29. So congratulations, and how's it going? How's the film scene in, uh, in London? Um, well, I went to a sort of filmmaker's mixer uh, a few weeks ago because I'm starting to become more serious about my work in film in um, the sort of constellation of other disciplines that I've been practicing for the last, you know, seven or eight years. Um, and I was surprised by the turnout. There were some maybe 50 or 60 folks who come at the work as editors, cinematographers, directors, writers, grips, actors, um, and it feels like there's a burgeoning industry here recently. There was a film office opened by the City of London, um, which is on a sort of two-year contract, which will hopefully be renewed next year. Uh, if and when that happens, it would be indicative of the, uh, the flourishing of the film uh, scene in London, Ontario, which I, I hope to contribute to and to, uh, and to you have an opportunity to witness. So, yeah. And, and you're right that it's about two hours away from Toronto. It's, it's, the, uh, it's, the, it's the most boring drive in the world too. It's like, it's 401. It's just like, it's just a really, really uh, un, un like motivating uh, drive, I guess. I guess you got Stratford, you can go along the way, I guess. Other than that, it's pretty boring, right? Yeah, the coffee stop, coffee stop in Stratford be, would be all right. I, I have seen um, t-shirts worn by Londoners um, which says halfway between Toronto and Detroit. Um, yep, that's exactly it. Of our location and, and our, our regional identity, if you like. Yeah, because you guys, like people don't know when you're in when you're in uh, Canada, whatever the closest border, I'm from Niagara Falls, so I would get all the Buffalo uh, TV shows back when there was TV. So mm -hmm. therefore I would be a, by proxy a, a Buffalo, but uh, Bills fan, Buffalo Sabres fan. So it's like in London is like people still have that emotional attachment to Detroit because it's halfway, I guess, too, right? Yeah, I mean, there's probably some nationalistic pride operant that would direct people more towards Toronto sure, than Detroit. of course. That they favor. But um, I mean, I suppose that the arts that we're, we're meant to discuss, both in general and in particular, are, are meant to expose the ways in which we're alike one, one another rather than um, to emphasize the things which divide us like, uh, um, you know, red wings and maple leaf logos. Maple leaves, yeah. <laughs> or yeah, t Tigers or Blue Jays. But I guess more people would be Blue Jays fans and Tigers fans. So in old, one last thing about London, that's where Ryan Gosling's from, uh, probably the most famous person. <laughs> <laughs> As, from yeah. London, right? So, uh, so all the people. We also have the distinction of having um, uh, Justin Bieber born in uh, in in a hospital. But he's from Joseph he's from Stratford, though, right? He lives. He was yeah. born and raised in Stratford. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it was like a big city birth, and they returned to the right. to, uh, Stratford. Okay, let's talk about your poem film, Things She Wants. So, Paula, is it Paula Ferrante? Ferrante, is am I spelling, pronouncing it right? You are. So she is, uh, she's a poet. Uh, she is she from, she's a Canadian poet. Is she from London as well? Uh, no, she's based in Toronto. So do you know her personally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got to know each other over the course of this project. And, um, and I've certainly been an admirer of her work um, uh, in advance of having worked on this uh, particular film with her. I think that she was through uh, London to give a reading through 
a series now called Antler River Poetry, uh, which was formerly called Poetry London. And we had an opportunity to meet and I had an opportunity to hear her work and first be exposed to it. Um, that might've been 2017 or 2018. And I think that she read the poem that we ended up converting into a film. And I was, you know, so stunned by it that I, that I knew that I wanted to, uh, to respond to it or to, you know, sort of try to honor it with an interpretation in some way at some point. So she, okay, so this is a, through the London Arts Council, I'm assuming you applied, you got the grant money. So she was aboard for you shooting a film about her poem? That's right, yep. So I just out of curiosity, uh, what did she think about the final product? Um, I think that her phrase was, I honestly loved it. Um, <laughs> I think that she was, she was very happy with it. And this is one of a variety of sort of filmic interpretations of contemporary poems that I've directed and produced over the past few years. There are another four in production and it's ultimately the author's word in response to how their work has been interpreted that, uh, that guides me in terms of uh, knowing whether the project was a success or not. That's, that's really the only affirmative that I'm, that I'm looking for um, in, in the spirit of honoring the text that they've spent, you know, a, a great deal of time meditating on and working through and having to have, as in the case of Paula's poem, which is very much about sort of the explosion of domesticity and um, a really novel and interesting behaviorist lens onto the patriarchal institution of marriage in the context of domestic violence. And so the lived experience that she brought to bear um, uh, to that text, I'm not sure, I can't say whether it was direct or indirect or sort of as a result of a kind of cultural infusion living as she does within a patriarchy in which domestic violence takes place on a daily basis. Um, um, but it's honoring that experience that I, that I really hope to do justice to with, uh, with that film, as well as the other films that I've worked on to interpret contemporary poetry. You said you got four in production. So it's almost like you're creating your own little poetry kind of movie kind of uh, corporation, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's a sort of poetry anthology on film. Um, the title for it is Movements. And we've shot eight of them to date, as I've mentioned, four more in production. And they'll all be brought together as a single short film um, next summer for release through festivals and uh, in-person screenings in Ontario and hopefully sort of coast to coast, um, uh, as well eventually as, as, as being available online through a nascent film company, Astoria Pictures, that I'm just in the very early stages of developing. But yeah, this movements project, a sort of poetry anthology on film, Will be the flagship project for that uh that film company so. cool that's that's amazing well keep up the good work and uh it looks like you're doing well so could, before we get into the, the the cinematic design of your film who did the voiceover who was the voiceover artist that's paula herself paula okay Fountain. i figured as much i just wanted to double check because it's like there's a certain tone in the way she delivers the poem right so we do like poetry readings, whatever, I've done like a bunch of them. And if I got that text, I would never have directed the, the reader to say it that fast and go like, it's almost like a, it's like a fast forward. It's like, it's almost like, an, it's like, you know, when you're on like um, on your iTunes or on, on Spotify, when you yep. change the like the 1.3, because yep. <laughs> so you want a faster pie, like, like, a pie with like an audio book or whatever. It's that that's how I kind of describe it. It's like, she's, fast forwarding right through the through the through the poem i guess tone wise it's about like 
anxiety, creates anxiety, creates kind of like desperation, I guess, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a deeply urgent sort of subject matter yeah. and a deeply urgent sort of rendering of, as you say, a very anxious anxiety inducing experience. Yeah. It's really interesting. It's like the way I'm glad that she's the one who, who did it with Was she, did she tell you that I want to do it? Like, I know, I think you said previously she did something for you. Was that like kind of her mandate to do this poem? Um, so Previous to my asking her to participate, um, she had given a reading through Poetry London. Um, okay. So it wasn't wasn't for me per se, but rather, um, uh, you know, at the invitation of of the Poetry London uh, organization. Um, uh, but the request that I offered to her, as I've offered to other authors of contemporary mm -hmm. poems, is for them to um, sort of express their consent to have the work interpreted by means of their providing the narration uh, yeah. of each of the poems. And then we sort of overlay that audio file onto uh, a, vis a visual interpretation. Of course, yeah, because like, but I know some poem po poets don't want to do it. They want to get, they want to have an actor or professional totally. silver artist to do it themselves, right? So, but it's like obviously for this particular poem, she nailed it, and she kind of sets the tone for your for your film entirety. So it's two and a half minutes, really. So you basically have you know the beginning and an end. You know like how long the film is going to be. So what's your idea? So you read the book, did you like listen to it like a thousand times over to kind of figure out, okay, what am I gonna, what visually I'm gonna add to this film, this poem? Yeah, I mean, I, I was more familiar with the text itself than I was with the audio recording. Um, it was after I'd made the decision to convert the text into a film that I had requested the audio. So I actually didn't have that for as long a time as I did the text. And in reading the text over and over and over again, as you say, I, um, uh, would see a variety of images. Um, I mean, it's a very strong Im image, image dense sort of uh, poem, um, uh, strong elements of tone, even in the syntax and the punctuation, the way that the sentences sort of run on and uh, blend into one another, again, to communicate that sensation of anxiety concomitant with the subject matter. And so images, particularly like um, the bridge that's referenced early on, um, take a bridge, um, is the phrase by which it's introduced. I mm. just visualized, you know, a, a bridge that I knew in London, the King Street Bridge, it's called. Um, and although it's not a suspension bridge, and so technically there's a slight deviation, I guess, from a little literal interpretation of the poem there, um, but also the image of a horse and how um, like a woman as a possession in the context of patriarchy is sort of analogized to other animals like horses and dogs and that in fact you can um, uh, that you can treat other like animals other than wives say with with less care than uh, than animals um, mm -hmm. and so the image of the horse uh, came to mind and it was then a question of how to sort of how to find one um, that was available this not being um, you know, particularly familiar medium to me film and my not having developed connections necessary to kind of know who, who to reach out to. So it was, it was very much a kind of learning experience. This, this being one of the, the first films that I directed. So that's um, pretty cool. So you have the, so then you have the actress, uh, Nikki Carr, who is playing, portraying the woman. And so you basically have three sequences. You have kind of like her alone, kind of making a meal in the, this upper middle class, kind of like, clean house, I guess you can call it. And then you have her alone kind of in a, almost like a staged room, like, you know, kind of like a artistic room, like where it's like very cold bricks 
kind of like that's where the abuse occurs. And then you have her faceless, I guess, out, like as you described, like outside in the world and kind of like how kind of she perceives the world, I guess. And then you kind of like, I'm assuming you shot those three sequences and you kind of like figured it out in editing and how to put it all together. Yeah, um, I appreciate your closely watching the film. Uh, that, that means a lot. Um, I hope for it to be watched as closely as that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, we, we did work with three locations. One, uh, a house, a sort of upper middle class house, um, particularly the phrase like happiness is family or something like that on that. Sure. There's, there's, there's something sort of benign about that phrase yeah. that sort of related. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, she's kind of preparing food. Um, in anticipation of the arrival of guests as if she was hosting a dinner party or something like that. There's a small dog that she's got on her arm at one point. Um, and there's a sort of superficiality to that environment, which I felt was integral to the communication of the text and also to the institution of marriage generally, the way in which women are, um, as the poem has it, sort of you know repeatedly subjected to uh, experiences of, of objects and uh, relationships that um, cause certain associations which continue to keep them bound in those in those relationships. Um, and then yeah, the two other um, sets that you'd mentioned, one of them sort of out and about in London, Ontario, um, downtown and then to King Street Bridge. Um, we started shooting at, um, this is something that wouldn't necessarily be apparent to the viewer upon first reading unless, or first viewing, unless you were familiar with the downtown, but she's sort of leaving, um, a hotel as if perhaps she'd spent the night there having gotten away from from her abusive partner yeah um and then the third uh location was the second floor of a building on king street where a novak's uh, sort of uniform uh, manufactured uh, uh used to exist um with that beautiful exposed brick um, where i shot a couple of the other films that we've interpreted or rather a couple of the other poems that we've interpreted through film um and then in terms of the editing i mean um, this is really Nicole Cohenin's domain. Um, as a cinematographer and editor, uh, I just think that she's astonishingly gifted. And, um, and I've been consistently working with her as a result. Um, usually what'll happen is she'll provide a sort of rough cut and uh, sometimes there'll be gaps in the film. And, uh, and yet it has the sort of texture and sensation of what the film will ultimately become. And, uh, and then I'll provide feedback sometimes in one or two rounds um, and offering suggestions and that sort of thing. But it does feel very much like a, a sort of co-equal collaborative partnership. Yeah. Well, if you're doing so many, so many films, like you're producing so many films and you got four on the go, you need a key collaborator to like, so your, your pre-production, she's in post-production consuming you're kind of overlapped some of these films are being overlapped I guess right yeah and I mean for the most part Nicole and I will shoot together on set I say for the most part because when we're shooting we're always together on set but yeah. I also worked with a couple of other cinematographers one of them a Jerome Conquis who's a, a Parisian journalist uh, who was here at Western Ontario University of Western Ontario taking an MFA for a time or an MA actually with the visual arts program and, uh, and Marshall Stonefish, who is an Indigenous filmmaker that I hope to be working with this spring. Um, so I've worked with a couple, but, but Nicole is the mainstay in the Movements Project because of, because of her great gifts. Where did you find Nikki? Because uh, it's not an easy role to play because I know like she doesn't have any dialogue, but she's, she's just reacting to, to nothingness, right? Like there's, there's not another performer that she's reacting with. So, and she's got to evoke all these strong emotions with the counter of the poem. Not the easiest thing to do. Like, let's just call it like, like that. So where did you find her? Totally. I mean, it's, I mean, I suppose that she is interacting with the society and with history and with sure. lived experience, but 
in terms of, um, yeah, there'd be some being somebody say pursuing her as she's moving through this the city downtown, looking over her shoulder. There wasn't anybody physically there. It's just an act of imagination on her part. Although, in uh, two of the sets, um, the house and that sort of exposed brick room with the hardwood floor, um, she uh, is in in sort of dialogue, um, although it's not audible with uh, with a male character um, who plays a much more minor role in the film. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, where I happened upon Nikki, or where where the circumstances by which we met, um, so she is a part of a group called the PDA Public Displays of Art uh, in London, Ontario, which is a sort of dance group, um, an improvisational um, uh, dance group, uh, also comprised of uh, comprised by um, uh, Dorit Osher, who appears in one of the other films. Uh, Ruth Duthright likewise appears in a couple of the other films um, and Hannah Goldberg. And, um, you know, I was familiar with Nikki through that group. Um, and it was through that group that I started making these films. The, the goal to have been in uh, the goal originally having been to interpret the poetry kinetically just through dance rather than through sort of drama. Um, gotcha. And it sort of evolved, I guess, to the point where, yeah, now we're I'm like kind of intentionally casting actors and uh, and she's in possession of, you know, great power as an actor um, and also, you know, had a number of really excellent, I think, suggestions over the course of filming was open to improvisation based in her, you know, experience as a as a dancer. And um, I might just offer the plug too, that she's a, a Pilates instructor and uh, a, a, a great one. So if anybody's uh, in the market for Pilates- Happens to be in London and then wants to do Pilates. Well, she, she also, I think she conducts classes online. online um, so anyway, look her up if you're so inclined. <laughs> yeah, she's she's terrific. It's like, she's got the right look to it uh, too. Like the ginger hair and like, yeah, it's perfectly casted for this particular film. So it seems like you're good. You're doing a lot of great stuff. It's like, this is a really, I remember when I first watched it, it was like, I was, I was like, I see a lot of poetry movies and I was like, yeah, this is, this has got, he's got it. So would um, we send you the audience feedback video? What did you think about the audience, our audience think, talking about your film? Um, I mean, I, I just really appreciate the, the festival that you've pulled together and the details like that, which are not uh, insignificant in terms of what they would require of you in, in terms of organization and, and the thoughtfulness for and concern for the experience of the filmmakers participating in the festival. So, you know, hats off to you for facilitating that. It was really useful and interesting uh, and rewarding to hear, um, you know, what functioned as a sort of, you know, generous, critical feedback. Um, I say critical, not in the sense of uh, offering harsh critique, but rather mm -hmm. like an analysis um, from the from the respective positions and perspectives of, of, of those who responded to the films. And I'd noticed too, that they were all uh, women or, you know, identified, appeared to be uh, women at any rate. And, uh, and so that that means, uh, means even more, um, given that this film hopes to render the text hopes to render and the film thereby hopes to render uh, an experience which is uh, all too common um, and which isn't my lived experience, uh, which was why it was so important to have, you know, Nikki Carr and Nicole Cohen and, uh, and Paula Ferrante um, really, you know, genuinely at the, at the helm um, of, of the project. So um, in many ways that, that response from the audience was, uh, was meaningful and, and very gratefully received. I know that I sent it on to Paula too, and, and she was very, 
you know, touched and moved to to hear that response to the text and to the importance of this urgent uh, story. Yeah, so so I guess they, they got, and, and, and to, to paraphrase, they got they got your intention, I guess, in a sense. <laughs> so yeah. I'm just kidding. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I so, go on a bit. <laughs> no, 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 it's awesome. I love it. It's because it's it it's it's uh it's that's what the, the the goal is is in mind, I guess. And you kind of like brought along the people who kind of understood the film. So yeah, like I said, I'd love to to see more of your work. Hopefully, uh, you'll be uh, you'll still be a friend of the festival, and because uh, it seems like you're really doing some amazing stuff. And like I said, I love to see like in the world where like I come up from a generation like I'm a little bit older than you, where you had to go to like. New York, LA, or, or Toronto, or Vancouver to kind of like become a filmmaker, right? To work in the industry, become a filmmaker with in terms of equipment and all the resources, like even having a cinematographer. Now we live in a world where it's like you're you're like you seem like you're you got two feet in the ground in London, and you're like this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna make my roots and make my films, and I love that. It's amazing, and you're kind of the first generation that was able to do something like that. For sure. I mean, I think. It might be the first generation that, uh, you know, has grown up fluently with the internet and the inter interconnectivity that that affords, um, yeah. so that you don't need to be, yeah, down the street from the cinema or from uh, the place where the the capital is housed in a warehouse. Um, and like I said, it's a it's a it's a small but real and nascent um, growing film community in London, Ontario, that I hope to continue to, to contribute to, and I'll certainly keep your festival in mind as a place to submit uh, new work as well as to um, suggest that, that others in town and elsewhere do the same. All right, man, let's go. Maybe we should do a festival in London uh, one day and, uh, and basically see the best of London filmmakers. Well, I, I might mention that the Forest City Film Festival, which has been in operation for, uh, I think, six years this year, will begin in October. Um, and it's, it's quite a well-established and, and, and expertly run festival by a uh, you know, founded uh, and executive directed by uh, Dorothy Down. So if anybody's in uh, inclined to drop by London in the fall, um, October will be the month to do it for those uh, interested in film. Um, thanks very much, Matthew. And I, and I look forward to uh, connecting uh, in the future. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six.